May I speak to you in the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Amen. Please be seated. Last week, we had a blast celebrating the end of the Easter season and the day of Pentecost. It was a grand day. Of course, I love all the days where we use and wear the red vestments. It was joyous with our two baptisms, a packed church, delicious food, and so many cakes. It was just really great to be together as the body of believers and celebrate the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that empowers us to move and be the church. And George reminded us last week of the fear and the awe that we should have of the Holy Spirit. Because it is so powerful. Where it will take us, we don't know. It's God we're dealing with after all. And in the Episcopal Church, sometimes we forget to, or maybe we're a little hesitant to talk about the Spirit. Perhaps it is because maybe we are afraid of the Spirit's power. And I was in a class in seminary where we looked at our own liturgy. We looked in the Book of Common Prayer and at the services that we do on Sundays, and we looked how many times we talked about God the Father, God the Son, and then how many times we talked about God the Spirit. Interestingly, I learned it wasn't an even three-way split. But that does not equate to a value of one over the other. In fact, each year in the church, immediately after Pentecost, we celebrate Trinity Sunday. And on this Sunday, we acknowledge the one and equal glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And basically, it is the day that our church expects the preacher to sum up an entire century of debates or a semester's long early Christian history class into one brief sermon. And I've often heard that it is the week that you let the seminarian preach, or maybe the newest preacher. Well, the joke's on me because I set the sermon schedule this summer. And as George alluded to in his June Lantern article, if you've gotten a chance to read it, I will try not to bore you with the Cappadocian Fathers, the bonus points if you know who they are, nor will I bore you with a history lesson, I hope. But I do think it is good that we dedicate one day of our church calendar to acknowledge and truly celebrate that we worship God three in one. In fact, in the Episcopal Church, in our services each week, immediately after the sermon, we all stand up and we say together the Nicene Creed. These are ancient words, and they remind us 
of what we believe in, what we believe about the triune God. For those of you who have taken St. Christopher's Back to the Basics course, or maybe an Episcopal 101 class somewhere down the road, you'll remember that the placement of the creed right after the sermon is on purpose. Just in case the preacher gets a little off track or maybe commits a heresy or two, yikes. The reciting of the creed is a way to recenter back the service on the and recenter the church on our beliefs. And the creed is also what connects us as a church to the denominations across the globe. And the Nicene Creed focuses directly on the three persons of the Trinity. In our readings that we just heard today, each of them also described dimensions of the triune God. We've got God creating in Proverbs. God that was there before the foundation of the earth was set. We are nothing but God's beautiful creation, created by God, for God. And then the letter to the Romans, we see that God is not a God who creates something and walks away, brushes off his hands and says, thank you, my work here is done. No, God is a creator who desires to be nearer to creation and physically joins us, taking our human nature on to redeem us. Jesus, the Son of God, gives us, as Paul says, the eternal peace with God. And then, in the Gospel, according to John, we're finally reaching the end of that longest goodbye. And Jesus tells his friends, you don't know everything yet. It sounds like my mom talking to 13-year-old Ansley. And then Jesus says, it, it's going to be okay. Because he isn't actually going to leave them. No. Our God doesn't abandon us. Remember, God isn't finished with us. Instead, Jesus promises the Spirit will come to comfort to be our advocate, to lead and guide us, sustaining us through our earthly pilgrimage and revealing to us all the things we need to know in due time. And throughout these readings in the Psalm 2, we see God described as wisdom, creator, establisher, governor, artist, redeemer, peace, hope, truth, sustainer, glorifier, and as lover. There are not enough words to describe the power of the Trinity. God is simply too big for that. The Trinity is one being working in front, behind, below, above, beside, and through us. Intricately intertwined and woven through together, 
all that the Father has is mine. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Those old church fathers, they were trying to explain all this when they were debating the Trinity. How can God be all these things? You see, our human mind thinks that we know we know something when we can reasonably explain or justify it. I think back to all those math proofs I did in eighth grade geometry, those that were used to explain why something is the way it is. And as a person who loves knowing things and the exactness, preciseness of it all, I do love the desire to know God in this way. However, this is only one way of knowing. Recently, I came across another good explanation of the differences or the degrees of knowing. And the article likened it to one of you asking me, hey, Ansley, do you know the Jonas Brothers? And I say, of course, they're my favorite band. And then you say, oh, will you let them know I can't meet them for dinner next week? Like, I know I know them. We're looking for the deeper knowledge of God. And we find that in our own lived experiences. As Episcopalians, Anglicans, we come to know the triune God in the scriptures, like today's readings. In our traditions, the creeds that we say, and through reason, our own lived experiences. We can know God this way because the Holy Trinity is relational. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, these names imply a relationship between the three. We believe in a relational God. Relational between the members of the Trinity and relational with us, too. Think back to all those words used in just our scripture readings this morning. All the words that were used to describe the power and the actions of God. And when I think about them, they kind of remind me of dance steps. Most of you may know by now that I'm a dancer. And while you might look and see me moving my arm like this, or swinging my leg like this, that, oh, Ansley's just dancing or being weird. But in fact, those movements I just did, they have names. My arm is doing a port de bras from fifth to second. And my foot, if I were on ground, is doing a shuffle. It's a top step. It's actually two steps together. And in fact, choreography, the dance that we do, is just when we put all these individual steps together. And even while I was dancing alone, as it seemed, I'm not. 
I'm never dancing alone. Instead, it's always a relationship. A relationship as I push down with the floor and rise up on my toes. Or a relationship between the air as I swipe through it, moving my arm to second and disperse the air particles. Dance, you see, is all about relationship. A give and a take. A constant flow between the dancer and the space or people around them. This might sound very familiar to those of you who attended our women's retreat back in April. Because we talked about this. We looked at the way it parallels the relational nature of the divine trinity. The way the trinity itself dances too. In our own experiences, we can see that there is a constant flow, the give and the take between the members of the Trinity so that the three may truly move as one. They each share different pieces or steps of the dance that together illustrate beautiful choreography, a beautiful picture. And the best part is, we're part of this dance, too. That's what happened when God took on our flesh. We've been given a permanent place in the dance and in the relationship with the Trinity. And dancing with them requires vulnerability, as it might take us out of our comfort zone. Remember, we're dealing with God here. Patiently following, sometimes leading, we move with the Trinity. The gospel told us we don't have all the answers, and yet we've been given all that we need in the Trinity, in this ever-flowing relationship. And it's a relationship that extends into our own communities, too. Our relational God designed us to be in relationship, to be in community. We need each other to dance. We need that push and the pull, the give and the take, the flow. We don't have all the answers individually, but what if together we had them all? What if God gave us that? Dancing with the Trinity and with each other implies sometimes we lead and sometimes we follow that we don't have to do it all. We shouldn't try to do it all. We're invited to go with the flow or to react, to sit in tension, and then move to resolution. Think of your own relationships, the platonic or familiar ones, romantic ones. Healthy relationships are when we can do all these things when you can really dance together. And a healthy community is one that reflects the relationality of the Trinity. A relationality that we don't simply know because we're told by those old church fathers, but because we've experienced it in our own lives. In just a second, we're going to be invited to say the Nicene Creed and to state the things that we believe in. We'll own our knowledge of the triune God. 
will correct any heresies I may have committed in the last 10 minutes. And we'll affirm our faith. And on this Trinity Sunday, I wonder how we can move from knowing these truths and knowing the Trinity to really knowing and experiencing the power of the Trinity firsthand. Being brave and vulnerable, trusting that God has created you to dance. Accepting that we don't have all the answers, and yet Christ has told us we're going to be okay. And patiently surrendering so that we may hear and move to the wisdom of the Spirit. We will continue to know the breadth and the power of the Trinity when we are in relationship with it. No seminary definition, nor metaphor, nor old church father can more adequately capture what the Trinity is than your own lived experiences dancing with the divine can. Amen.